Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here. I'm excited that it's raining. I hope it rains today. I don't want it to rain out your plans, but I want it to rain maybe today and a couple of days this week because we are in need of rain. Hopefully, once you, uh, when you came in this morning, you picked up a card like this. Again, the 8 o'clock or the 8.30 service is usually pretty bad to do this, but we encourage you to do this. Pick one of these up. Fill that out when you come in each week. Write your name on there, your family's name on there. Update that if it needs to be updated, any information about you, your mailing address, your emails, your cell phone numbers, give that to us. But if you're visiting with us, that's very important for us to know who you are and how you found out about us. We're not going to visit you surprised. We're not going to surprise you. We just want to know who you are. But the most important part is on the backside, if you have a need for prayer or somebody you know has a need for prayer, we have a team of people who love to pray with you and they love to pray for you. So we're going to ask you each week until we go back to the normal worship guide, fill that card out, hold that to the end of the service, and when you exit one of these doors to my right, the two in the back, uh, one of our guest service team members will be there. They'll have the offering bucket, and you can drop your offering and your card in there. You can also always give using a bank card. There are two giving kiosks in the lobby. Uh, you can also do it online if you prefer to tithe or give your offering online at crossroadslebanon.com forward slash give, G-I-V-E. Uh, again, we're excited that you're here. And again, I want you to know, and I'm going to remind you probably a couple of more times, that this is what we call Throwback Summer at Crossroads. Uh, we're going back and revisiting some of the worship songs from the late 90s, the early 2000s, uh, some of the songs that many of us grew up listening to. I told most of these guys who, who lead us and who play for us, these songs are older than you guys are. So uh, again, uh, and they have validated that. They will tell me, I've never heard of some of these. But again, and, and David was really good. He said it's challenging him because some of the songs he, don't know, he doesn't know. So again, I would strongly encourage you this morning, if you have a song that you want us to do throughout the summer, and we go by the calendar summer, which will end in the middle or about the end of September, September 21st, I think, is the official end of summer. We're going to be doing throwback summer at Crossroads throughout the summer until the end of September. So if there are songs that you like, songs that you would like us to consider doing, doesn't mean we will do them. Uh, we would love to know what those songs are. You can write those on that card that we just talked about, or you can send me an email this week, info info at crossroadslebanon.com, and we will take the songs that you send and add it to the list of songs that we have already uh, that we're considering doing in the upcoming weeks. Uh, some of those songs are songs that have a special place uh, in your life and a special place in your heart. So again, I would encourage you uh, to, to let us know what that song is, and we will consider doing it. Let me also say this, next Sunday afternoon, 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, at the Jimmy Floyd Center. Uh, we'll be promoting it a lot this week. I, I've just learned that telling you guys weeks in advance does not do any good. Uh, telling you about the last seven days before something happens is the best thing for me to do. But next Sunday, 5.30 to 7, is something we call Scoopalicious. Uh, we've done this for years. It's on the official day of it's ice cream day. Uh, that, that day is, is designated on the calendar as National Ice Cream Day. But we get together and we let you guys compete against each other and make homemade ice cream. So again, it's some of the best. We have some of the best ice cream makers in the world within this church, or we have had in the past. So again, I want to see what you can do this week, this week and get that ready for next Sunday, 5.30 to 7. There'll be a time for swimming and playing in the pool. We have 
uh, reserve the pool for our, just our people and our friends and our families. So that happens next Sunday, 5.30 to 7. If you're making ice cream, again, you'll see details this week on Facebook about this, on Instagram. Make sure you're there and have your ice cream to enter it by 5.30. That's when we officially start swimming. Uh, and again, if you don't make ice cream, then bring a dessert. Uh, but I want many of you to make ice cream so that we'll have enough ice cream to go around. That's never been a problem. But again, I encourage you to do it. And some of these people are really ugly when it comes to competition. So anyway, it's kind of like I forget I'm a Christian when I'm making homemade ice cream. So anyway, but I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I want to encourage you to do that next Sunday, 530 to 7. We'll have to kind of watch the weather. It looks like it's going to be okay now. But again, if something changes, we'll modify, we'll do something, uh, or we'll reschedule if that happens. But we should know in advance or, or well enough in advance so that we can make the call. You know, I, I want to let you know something that you may not know about me. Uh, I, think, I think some of you have probably figured this out. I'm, I'm a guy who has been fascinated with words. And, and again, growing up, I was a marginal student. I mean, I, I wasn't a great student. I, I didn't excel in academics. But I've always been fascinated with words. Now, and, and that doesn't mean that I like to play words. Do, do anybody remember about 2012 when everybody was playing words with friends? Does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember that at all? There, there was this thing online called Words with Friends, and, and you would play. But again, I, I don't like words that much. But what I really mean is that I'm fascinated with the way people can use words. I'm fascinated with the way people can, can just take certain words and put them together. Uh, again, one of the things that I really like is I like slogans. I, I like quotes. Uh, I like phrases. I like to hear things that are, that are really catchy. Uh, and if there's anything that catches my attention, it's reading something where somebody took the time to get really creative with their words and make those words kind of just flow together where, where it gets my attention. And again, if you really want to grab my attention and make me think, then, then be very crafty, be creative with the way that you put your words together. Because I, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a catchphrase guy. I'm a, a, a slogan guy. I, I like quotes. Again, that's why you see me use quotes uh, in my talks. I just love to hear what people have to say if it relates to a subject that I'm speaking on. I love to see words put down in a way that catches my eye or my ear. Or for whatever reason, the words that I've heard or the words that I read cause me to think when it comes to what I read. Now, if there's anything I'm a little partial to, it's advertising slogans. And those things kind of trip me out. I'm just like, I, I have sat down uh, with some of the things that I've actually been a part of or done or have people who own their own companies. And we've tried to come up with slogans. And, and it's not as easy as you think. So this morning I thought, you know what? I thought we would have a little fun. Uh, let's start with a little fun, and I want to make you think a little bit, and I'm going I'm to give you uh, some, some of these uh, slogans that, that, that people are using for their company, and, and I want to see if you know what they are, and you're welcome to, to say it out loud because, I mean, uh, some of these are going to be really easy. This first one's going to be really easy. The first slogan is this, America runs on Dunkin'. Well, who, who is that? Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, that's, that one's really easy. Uh, here's another one that's pretty easy. Again, you know these. I mean, you, you don't even have to think about it. Look at the next one. The quicker picker upper. Who is that? Bounty, bounty paper towels. Now, here's one that's a little more difficult. 
Look at the next one. Between love and madness lies obsession. Calvin Klein's obsession perfume. That's exactly right. Now, here's the easy one. Everybody knows this one. <laughs> Some of you are going there after church. Finger licking good. There we go. Yeah, finger licking good. Here's one that with me, I'm not, uh, many of you are more familiar with this. Lynn and Greg will get this. The next one is this. Happiest place on earth. Disney. That's, that's Disney. Now, look at the next one. There are some things that money can't buy. And for everything else, there's MasterCard. There you go. Look at the next one. I'm loving it. McDonald's. That's right. Come on. I'm going to make it really easy, the last one. Snap, crackle, pop. Rice Krispies. Yeah, there you go. See, here's the thing. The thing that's so interesting about these things is and most of you immediately recognize them. I mean, whether you said it out loud or whether you voiced it out loud, you recognize those slogans. And, and since most of you, like me, are totally aware of the slogans, when I said the words then you probably were aware of the connection that those slogans had with the corresponding company or the corresponding product that they are designated to draw your attention to. So I, I thought to myself, I thought, you know, what, if I'm in love with a slogan and, I, and I'm infatuated with a slogan and how it makes my mind process and connect to a company or, or a, a product, then what, what do we talk about? What, when we say a slogan, uh, what, what is a slogan? Well, the Oxford Languages tells us that a slogan is a short and striking or memorable phrase that's actually used in advertising, which I would say this morning that's a pretty accurate definition. And here's the thing. Marketing camp campaigns rely on these. They rely on these slogans, they rely on these mottos to help provide a summary of why a brand or a product or a service is so good, so great, and what makes that brand or product or service so unique. But what's interesting to me about all of these slogans that we looked at is that once I heard them, they were really easy to remember. Over time, once I've heard them, once I've seen them written down, it's almost like any other time that I saw it, any other time that I heard it, my mind was naturally locked in to, to the company or the product or the service. It's almost like once I knew the slogan, my mind was married to that product or that company or that service. Now, now when I talk about words and, and when I talk about how words impact me, I'm not always talking about cute, catchy little mottos or slogans or catchphrases. Every now and again, there's going to be something that, that's written by someone, uh, maybe just a sentence, maybe it could be a quote, but whatever it is, when, when, when I read that sentence or that grouping of words or that quote, it, it just resonates with me. I'll see those words, and, and never having seen those words before, when, when, when I see it, it, it's like it's just deposited within me, and it resonates with me. And not only does it resonate with me, it sticks with me. Several years ago, I think I was in a bookstore in Gallatin looking for a book. 
and, and, you know, again, sometimes I'll go to the, the religious section, the faith section, and sometimes I'll just be looking in another section. And, but, but I don't remember exactly what I was looking for that particular, particular day, but I, I picked up many books. And I was looking through many of those books. And when I was looking through those books, I came across ten little words that I didn't expect to see. Ten little words that actually, those ten words just jumped off the page at me. And, and, and it, was like a, it was like a sentence. It was just like a sentence that was just sitting there among all the other words on that page. And for whatever reason, it wasn't even highlighted, but for whatever reason, those ten words jumped right off, and I remembered those. And these are the exact words of the writer. The writer said this, I've come to believe that only broken people truly worship. I don't know who said that. I don't remember the book that that was written in. I don't know the writer, I don't know the publisher, I don't know anything about it, but here's what I did. Those words jumped off that page and they got my attention so much so that I picked up my phone and I went to the notes where I keep in my phone and I put those down. I've come to believe that only broken people truly worship. And again, I don't know who said that. I don't know the title of the book. I don't know the author of the book. I don't know the publisher of the book. And honestly, you know what? It didn't matter to me to go and Google that and to search that this week and try to find out who was it that said that. I don't think that matters. But what matters is this. I've come to believe that only truly broken people truly worship. What matters is this. It doesn't change anything who wrote it. It doesn't matter who published it. The thing that matters is this. Those words spoke to me in such a profound way. And honestly, the more I, I kind of meditated on those words and the more I thought about those words, those words were, 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 were like a double-edged sword. And the more that I read them where I had put them in on my phone, those words continued in my life to cut so deep. And I wasn't able to get those words off my mind. Since the day that they jumped off the page and those words caught my attention. But you know what word really grabbed me? Look, look, look behind me. It was the word broken. That, that, that's the word that really grabbed me. Because see, here's the thing, and we're going to leave that up there for just a minute. You read that, and one of the things that I think about as a follower of Jesus, I read those words, and when I did, I naturally thought that as somebody who passionately most of the time follows Jesus, 
You see, I thought if there was anything I was leaving behind, if there anything I was stepping into that, that I didn't have to worry about anymore as a follower of Jesus Christ, you know the one thing that I didn't really want to have to worry about is being broken. I didn't want to have to worry about, about brokenness. Because I thought by, by professing my faith and following Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, you know what I thought? I honestly thought I thought I was leaving brokenness behind. As a follower of Jesus, I felt like now that I was entitled. I felt like as his follower, now it, it was my right that I'm, I'm entitled to feel good and to have everything that I've heard about. I want all the things that I've heard about, all the blessings. I want all of those things brought into my life. And it's supposed to be a good life because I'm following Jesus. See, that's what we think. We, we profess our faith in Jesus and we think gone are the, are the days of the bad things happening in my life. Now, as his follower, it's my right to enjoy a life free of trouble, a life free of heartache. It's time for me to spend my time enjoying what are supposed to be the good things in life. Good health, good job, good friends, people that are always there for me. I want to be successful. And it made me think. You know, see, we, we think following Jesus is going to give us all the blessings of life. It's going to give us all the things that we deserve. We're entitled to those things. That's what we start to believe. But it made me think. When I have all of the things that I think I deserve, as a child of the Most High God, all the good things, when everything in my life lines up like I want it to, good health, good job, good friends, home, car, all those things, it made me think. When I have everything that I think I deserve, will I worship? Will I truly worship? When I have everything that I think I'm entitled to, Am I going to experience in my life what is best? Will I truly experience what Jesus wants me to experience? If everything in my life is up and to the right. And I continue to remember the words that you see behind me. I've come to believe that only broken people truly worship. I've come to believe that only broken people truly worship. And the more I thought about those words, the more it kind of took me back to the younger years of my life when I was a child. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you remember anything uh, about being a child when you were younger, some of you are still act like you're children, but, and some of you are children. But, but I remember when I was young, my mom or my dad would carry me to the store with them. 
Some of you are going to remember this. Anybody remember Zayers on Murfreesboro Road? Yeah, yeah, see, so we're dating ourselves, Jerry. We're dating ourselves. But my, mom, my, 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 my mother would carry me to Zayers on Murfreesboro Road, which is kind of like close to the airport where the runway is there. I don't know what's there now, but it's right there next to that big uh, house that's a restaurant, some kind of restaurant. But we, we would go, and you know naturally where I wanted to go? I wanted to go to the candy aisle. I always wanted to go and look at the candy. I always wanted to go and, and, and to look at the toys. And I'm just going to say this morning for the, for the purpose of this conversation today, let's, let's just say, you know, if you're like me and when you were younger, and even today some of you go there because I see you there, one of the things that you like to go and look at is the candy. You love to go to the candy aisle. As a matter of fact, if you would pay any attention to the way that people lay out their merchandise, these people like Kroger and Walmart and Target, they're smart. They know that you want to go to the candy aisle. So they go to great lengths to give you lots of options when it comes to the, to the delicate sweets, the candies that you, that you want to choose from. Because that's where we love to spend our time. We spend our time on that aisle where we think we can get something that's going to satisfy our desires the most. We, won't, we, 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 don't, we don't spend our time looking over the broccoli and the cauliflower. We spend our time looking at the candy. I mean, think about it today. Go to, go to Walgreens after we leave here today. And you know they have an aisle or two of... of of special merchandise that they put out during special times of the year like Easter and Halloween and, and, and uh, Valentine's Day. They make it easy for you to find the good stuff. As a matter of fact, every time a season changes, you can go to that aisle or to that section because that's where you're going to find the good stuff. I mean, take a moment when you're in a store this week, whether it's Target or Walmart or Kroger, wherever you go, and just take a time to look at most of the aisles in the store. Because if you actually take the time, you're going to generally find, not every time, but generally you're going to find more people in the aisle where the candy's located than any other aisle in that store. That's just the way we are. We gravitate towards the candy. And it made me think, isn't that the way that life is? It's really not any different, is it? Because that's the way that we live our life, even as a Christian. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, oftentimes we want to spend our lives experiencing only the good things. We don't, we don't want to experience the bad things. We only want to spend our life on the candy aisle. As a follower of Jesus, we think it's only about having the things that we think we're entitled to, we think we're supposed to have, or what I think I'm entitled to now that I follow Jesus. It's about living a life that is filled with certain earthly expectations that are, that are going to make me feel good. See, we, we, we think that living the Christian life is living a life where we enjoy the blessings of life more than we enjoy the one who blesses us. We want to believe and hold on to a God that will meet us. 
on that candy aisle and give us all the things that we think we need. But what happens? What happens in life when, when something that we think we're entitled to, what happens uh, when something that we think is ours, what happens when something that, that we think we deserve, what happens when that's taken from us? What's happen, what happens when something that you see is yours is stolen from you? I remember a phone call one day, and I've told this before, but I'm going to use it again. I remember a phone call that I got one day when I was at work, and it was probably one of the worst two or three phone calls that I have ever experienced in my life. And my wife was on the phone, and she said, Randy, there's been a break-in at our house on McLean Avenue. We lived on McLean Avenue just at the back of what used to be the Cumberland University football field. And so I jumped in the car, and I drove home as fast as I could get to the house. And I don't know if you've ever had anybody break into your house and, you know, ransack your house and just go through the drawers and go through the, the cabinets and go through your furniture and everything and just throw it on the floor. But I walked in and literally everything that we owned of any value had been pulled out. The dressers were pulled out and everything was on the floor. Everything was on the floor. I mean, and it gives you this—it it gives you this feeling like you've been violated because you don't know who it was. But there was everything, all my nice, neat, compact life was scattered among the floor for anybody to see. Everything that was mine. Everything that I left that morning that was nice and orderly. Everything that morning that was just the way that I wanted it. In a matter of minutes, somebody had come into my life and turned my life upside down. So I think I can tell you this morning that that candy aisle life that I had been living no longer existed. A life that was neatly organized and fully lived was now scattered on the ground right in front of my eyes. And I think it's safe for me to say that that's where some of you find yourself this morning. I think that's the place that some of you right now, either you're in this auditorium or you're watching and listening online, that's the place that you would say that you find yourself this morning. I think if you could talk, just me and you, you would say, you know what? I walked into a church on a hot July Sunday morning. Knowing, Randy, that there was, there was something that was an important part of my life, something that, that, that I thought was mine has recently, or even right now, it has slipped through my fingers. You're here this morning, and your life, for whatever reason, has been turned upside down. I don't know what it was, but I know what's happened. Maybe it's your health. The health that you've taken for granted isn't what it was. 
Maybe for you it started with a fever and, and, and now what you thought was yours has been taken from you or at least that's just the way you feel. You're just not the person that you used to be. Your health is not the way that you used to be. Maybe the stress, the worry, the anxiety of the last 14 months. Maybe dealing with life on a daily basis has just about become more than you can handle. And again, you look to the heavens and you say, God, how could this happen? Or maybe you sat down at a computer simply to do a search for something, and there you saw the email that confirmed exactly what your suspicions were, and the suspicions were that your spouse had been having an affair. Something that was yours is slowly slipping through your fingers. Or maybe you spent your whole life, your education, everything that you knew was to get, to get ready for a career, a job. You just wanted to be able to have a career that would allow you to support your family and, 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 and do the things that you knew God had called you to do. And now you've got nothing. Maybe because of COVID-19, you've got nothing. Now you don't even have a job. You're unemployed. See, here's the thing. I spend so much of my week, whether it's on email or whether it's on the phone, talking, texting, back and forth, or visiting with people who in their own way are experiencing everything that they know slipping through their fingers. They're just going about life as they know it. And all of a sudden, something happens. And when that happens, everything changes. And like children, you know what we long for? We long to go back to the candy aisle. Where we expect God to give us what we need when we need it. We, we want God to be that friend that we can call up. And in that moment, he will give us everything we need the way we think we need it, the way we want it. See, I want God to meet my needs the way I pray those needs. And honestly, I think that's what most of you want. But knowing I want God to meet my needs the way I want them, when I want them, you know, you know what that's helped me to discover? It's helped me to discover that I'm a pretty selfish individual. I've discovered that, that when it comes down to it as a human being, I'm pretty selfish. As a matter of fact, I'm going to prove to you this morning just how selfish I am by using this phone. Because on my phone, like many of your phones, I have an iPhone. And you know what I have on my iPhone? I have something that's called favorites. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Favorites. And I started looking over this this past week. You know, you know what people make my favorites list? 
It's the people that can do something for me. I mean, that's really the one thing they all have in common. All the people that are on my list as my favorites are people that can do things for me. In other words, that's somebody that when I need to call them up, if I need them to do something, I can call them up and ask them to do something for me. Those, those are the people that are on my favorites list. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. I, I believe that, you know, honestly, with most of those people, I'm going to qualify most of those people, with most of those people, uh, I, I would say that I believe that every person, not every person, but most people on my list would say that, you know what, I mean something to them as well. But in reality, they're on my favorites list because they can meet my needs. And it kind of reminded me, Jesus, Jesus said it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And here's the thing. If Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, then, then maybe if I actually believed what Jesus said, then maybe the names on my favorite list would be a little bit different. But that's simply not the case. Because personally, I seem to be a lot happier with having people on my list that can do something for me, that can give something to me. Not the ones who offer me the chance to give. I want those people on my list that when I have a need, they can help meet that need. That's something I like. I mean, one of the people on my list is Tim Stockton. I mean, let me tell you, from the very moment that Tim Stockton walked into this building, if I had a need here at the church, I could call Tim, and Tim would move heaven and earth to get over here to help me meet that need that I had. And it's not just problems at church. Several months ago, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I'm going to go ahead and just confess my sins in front of you. Several months ago, I was on the way home up Palmer Road, going to Palmer Road before we moved at Palmer Place, and I noticed uh, I got this alert on my Suburban at the time that said that one of my tires was going flat really, really quick, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I mean, it was basically at that time, it was a new car to be. It was not new, but it was new to me. And I pulled in front of my house, and I looked at the tire, and it was going down. I could hear it going down, and I looked, and there was a bolt as big as my little finger in the middle of that tire. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do? So I picked up my phone, and I called Tim Stockton. <laughs> and guess what Tim did? Tim put on his overalls and got in his truck and came to my house and changed the tire. I know I'm a terrible individual, okay? But that's what Tim did. He came and he changed the tire. He helped me out. Barry Bryan, the same way. 
As a matter of fact, I called Barry this week asking him. I came in here on Wednesday afternoon, and four or five of the bulbs in the lights over the entrance there had gone out. Just mysteriously, they just went out. I mean, they were fine when we left here on Sunday. I came in on Wednesday, and they're out. And I said, Barry, I need to go pick up some bulbs and some ballast. He had just changed some ballast in some of the lights in the auditorium or in the hall back here in Upstreet. And I said, what kind of ballast and what kind of bulbs do I need? And you know what Barry said? Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And he did. And I could go through the list of the people that are on my favorites on my phone, and they're all the same. Now, don't misunderstand me this morning. They're all good friends, and they mean the world to me. And I think most of them would say I'm an important friend to them, although I will not help you change a tire if you're on my favorites list. (laughs) But the one thing in common is that they can all do something for me. And I bet the same holds true for you. If you look at the people that are on your favorites list on your phone, whether it's Android or iPhone or whatever you use, it's going to comprise people that have the ability to do something for you. And if we're here this morning and we recognize that, then it's almost automatic that you and I need to realize that we're mired in self-centeredness. Listen to me. As a human being, we want what we want, the way we want it, when we need it. My, my conclusion would be that, you know, it's just part of who I am. My conclusion would actually be that it's just part of my depraved nature. If it weren't for the words of Jesus that we find in Luke 18. So this morning, I, I want us to look at, at what Jesus said, because I bet some of you were wondering, is this guy ever going to go to the Bible? Is he going to ever use a scripture? I am. I'm only going to use one verse, but I want you to look at it because I don't think you've understood this verse the way that you should have understood it understood it (laughs) look at the words of jesus and these are the words that many of us have heard before but maybe we didn't truly grasp what jesus was saying luke 18 verse 17 jesus says truly i tell you anyone who will not receive the kingdom of god like a little child will never enter it. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Now, look at what Jesus says. If you don't receive the kingdom of God like a little child, then you're never going to enter it. See, here's the thing. When Jesus says the words, little child, I think most of us don't understand what he was meaning. When when Jesus says, little child, he's actually referring to infants. And, and, And what he's saying is that these infants are takers. 
He wasn't, no, 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 listen. He wasn't using the reference little child to say, okay, I need you all to look at, aren't they so cute? Look at, look at these little darlings. That, that was not what Jesus intended for you to understand. That was not what he was saying. See, Jesus was rebuking his disciples for, for telling a crowd of parents to stop bothering Jesus with the little children. He was saying something very different when he used the word little child. He, he was helping those people who were listening, and he's helping us this morning at Crossroads in 2021 to understand that nobody is needier than an infant. No, nobody is needier than a little child. Nobody has less to give than an infant. And sure, children are fun to love and to cuddle with and to look at. But a little child, an infant, they, they really never look at a way to give. They never look for ways to give. Because here's the thing, through and through, an infant is a receiver. An infant is a taker. Not only because they're selfish, but because they're helpless. And Jesus is telling us this morning, as he was telling them then, you need to be like them. You just need to realize this morning, Crossroads, Wayne, Jerry, Greg, Lynn, Chris, Debbie, you just need to realize you're helpless. So admit it. Learn to receive what you can't provide for yourself. Do, do you see what Jesus is saying? See, this was hard for me to understand, but Jesus was recommending for my life brokenness. That, that's what Jesus was recommending me, to live a life of brokenness. Jesus was recommending me to live a life that was exactly the life I was trying to avoid. Because if we truly think about it, That's the way we live our life. We want life the way we want it. We want life on our terms. And then it drew me back to those words. I've come to believe that only broken people truly worship. See, I think you and I have a lot of common because I think you and I want to live a life where we invite God to meet us on the candy aisle where he gives things to us that will satisfy us. I'm looking for a God that will meet me and give me everything that I need when I think I need it and the way I want it. But oftentimes, I fail to realize that God knows what I need more than I do. Amen? God knows what I need more than I do. 
I want to interject a story here. I left here last Sunday. And after the second service, I mean, it was July 4th weekend. A lot of people still on vacation. A lot of people are on vacation today. A lot of people will be on vacation the rest of the month. So, you know, attendance was going to be spotty, iffy. I left here after the second service. We had some problems we had to deal with. They were like people problems. They were other problems. And to be honest with you, the few checks and the few offering we got got locked into the safe and we couldn't get it out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, we need that so bad. How can we get that out of there? And, and so everything was kind of just a mess. And I walked down the steps. I had the, the things that I normally carry with me out. And I was going down the steps. And as I got down the steps, let me tell you, in as deep and as dark and as sinister and as satanic as I had ever heard, I heard a voice that speaks to, that spoke to me and said, you just need to quit. You're not making a difference. You're not doing any good. It's time to close the doors. And I'm going to tell you, it was as evil as any voice and as clear as any voice I had ever heard from the dark side. And it was loud and it was scary and it literally almost kind of scared me. I was by myself. I walked about 10 spaces or 10 footsteps or how, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say, towards my vehicle. And then I heard this other voice say, oh, wait, but Randy, remember what you just spoke about. Remember the armor of God? Spiritual warfare. And that, that, that heaviness that was on me, it, it, it eased, but it didn't go away. And I went and sat in my car, powered up my phone, and there was an email. And the email, which I did not even plan to read this, I'm just going to read part of it. But the email said, this message is for Randy. I've heard you mention several times in the service that the last year has been really hard for you. I wanted to let you know that through the last year, this last year has been critical for me. Your services have been key, a key inspiration in me becoming a Christian. In fact... Once I was invited for the first few weeks, I felt like your messages were basically speaking to me and were answering questions that I have had since childhood. I hope the knowledge that you helped me helps you through tough times ahead. I also hope that I continue to learn from you to develop this ember of faith in the years to come. As best that I could see, that email came at about the same time that voice spoke to me that said, you're not doing any good. That's why, people, I want you to hear me. God knows what you need more than you know what you need. And today, as we start this series, I want to go ahead and just admit something. I know that there are many of you that find yourself right in the middle of something this morning. 
I mean, it's like somebody walked into your life and turned your life upside down, and something that you thought was yours has been taken from you. It's gone. And knowing that that's happened to you, I want to realize this. I want to help you understand this morning. I don't realize the pain that many of you are going through as you deal with something that has been taken from you. You are just living your life, and something that you always have known is no longer like it was. But I can tell you this morning that in spite of what you may be experiencing, is that I believe that there are three things that will happen in your life that will open your eyes to a way that you have never been able to see before. Regardless of what is happening to you and regardless of what has happened in your life or is happening in your life, regardless of how bad your life right now may seem, I want to ensure this to you this morning. I want to just pronounce this over you and so you understand this. The one thing I believe is that God, regardless of what's going on in your life, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you regardless of what you may be experiencing or what may be happening in your life at the moment. Regardless of how bad you feel about what you may be going through, I believe that God wants to bless you. And you know why I can believe that? God wants to bless you because God loves you. It doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you want the way that you want it. But God wants to bless you. I believe that God is determined to bless us and to give us an encounter with himself. And even though we don't realize it, we long for an encounter with Him. That's the second thing I know. We long for an encounter with Him. And thirdly, I believe that God is only, in only the way that God can, I believe that God will use the pain that you're going through, the pain in our lives. I believe that God will use those things that you feel like have slipped through your fingers, those things that have been stolen from you, to truly help us discover our desire for Him. See, we all have a vision of what we believe our life is supposed to have looked like. I had a vision of what my life was supposed to be like, and this was not it. I wanted to be making money and building businesses. But God, in only the way that he could, he allowed something different to happen in my life. So I can go back to what we've been talking about. My life hasn't been spent on the candy aisle. Instead, my life has been spent totally relying on him to help me take the next step. My life has been spent in brokenness. My life has been spent knowing that he knows what's better for me than I do. And then I remember those words. I've come to believe that only broken people truly worship. That's where we're going to spend our time the next couple of weeks. Focusing on brokenness. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning, please? God, we're, we're humans. And it's so easy to, to look at our, our nature because all of us want what we want 
the way we want when we want it. And many of us stepped out in faith, believing God that you would give us everything we need when we needed it the way we want it. But that's not what's best for us. That's why those words truly resonate with me. That only broken people truly worship. Because when I look around, it's, it's the people that I see in brokenness. It's the people that I see that are going through a difficult time in their life. A sickness, a loss, the loss of a child, the, the, the loss of a job, the loss of health. Those are the people who are truly worshiping. Because it's in that brokenness that they realize their dependence on you. God, help, help us to, to realize it, to understand, and to know that it was the power of the cross that allows us to live in victory, to experience your best which oftentimes is different from what we think or want. It's your grace, it's your goodness that allows us to make it through the broken times, the, the difficult times, the valleys. God, we thank you for your love, your grace. And as difficult as it may be for some people to hear this, we thank you for brokenness. Because brokenness allows us to truly worship. God, we love you and we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.